So her name was Sears Kenmore. I brought her home in the summer of 1996. The Olympics were in Atlanta. That's how long ago it's been. Shannon and I weren't married until the next year. So Sears Kenmore has been in my family for a long, long time. She was a big girl, large capacity washing machine. And she served us well. But I walked down into the laundry room, I think it was on Tuesday, and I smelled a faint smell of smoke. I opened the lid on Sears Kenmore to only look and see that the clothes were still standing in water. And I knew that after 27 years, Sears Kenmore had given up the ghost. And it was devastating to our family. Um, Lowe's was in charge of the arrangements. They came to lay, to lay her to rest on Thursday. We put something out there on Facebook. Many of you expressed your condolences to us. We appreciate that so much. I even had a guy yesterday on the golf course. We were doing the Celebrate Recovery Golf Tournament. The guy walked up. I didn't even know who he was. And he said, I just want to shake your hand and let you know we've been praying for your family this week and your loss. I, mean, I appreciate that, man. Some of y'all have some of y'all been really supportive through all of this. And then some of y'all have said some things that indicate that you have, you're very hopeful and you're very loving, but you don't know me very well. Because some of you said, fix it. <laughs> you want me to fix it? So those of you who've been in the church for a long time, y'all know that's a bad proposition for me to fix anything. So we had a, we had a, a kind of a, a clog in our drainage system in our house, right? We, you know, couldn't get it out of there. So let me tell you how I fixed it. I cut a pipe in our basement and I got the, I got the obstruction out of the pipe, but also flooded our entire basement with sewer, sewer water, right? So I want you to look at Shannon Branham right there, and I want you to ask her what she wants me to fix in our house, right? <laughs> She's been through this stuff with me, y'all. So we've got this pontoon boat. We have it up there at Lake Carter, at Carter's Lake, man. You know, we two weeks ago, I backed that thing down in the, in the water, getting ready for a really good day. Get back there, ready to crank it, pull it off the trailer, you know, all that kind of stuff. And those of you who've been around boats, you, you know when you, you put the key in there and then you, that, that first little click, you get a beep. That little beep is the indication you're about to have a great day. That's what that little beep, that little beep says, this is going to be good. And then I went the next little, and it's supposed to crank right there. Dead as a wedge, man. I mean, nothing, right? So I tried it again. Beep. About to have a good day. Nothing, right? So Ken McAfee, Ken and Lori, they come to our early service. So I call Ken. Ken. Ken is a dude in my life. He knows how to fix things. Listen, those of you, you that know how to fix stuff, I need you in my life. So I call Ken because he knows all kinds of stuff about boats. And if you've ever been around Ken, you, you know he'll, he'll say something like this. He'll start it off. He'll go, well, right? After Ken says, well, what he says next is probably pretty good advice, right? So 
So I told, I told Ken what was going on. I said, man, I hear the beep, and then I get nothing. He goes, well, and then, then he says, bring it to my house. Let me take a look at it. So I pull it back out of the water, take it up to Ken's house. You know what the problem was? It wasn't in neutral. <laughs> I mean, like, all you had to do is take the little lever, go bump and crank. I mean, there it was. All right? So when you tell me to fix it, Y'all pray for Shannon. That's what she's got to live with, right? So listen, y'all, if I, if I could have resuscitated Sears Kenmore, I'd have tried real hard, but there was, no, there was no fixing it, right? I'm not Jesus, y'all. So something, some of y'all fixing stuff is very easy because you're real familiar with it, right? So See, like when I call Ken or when you talk to somebody who knows about stuff, hey, did you, did you smell a rubber smell? Well, it's probably the belt. Did you smell a, like an electrical smell? Well, it's probably a motor. Was there water shooting out the back of it? Well, it's probably a hose, right? So, so you ask these questions. If it's doing this, well, then it's not doing this, and it's probably doing this. And if, if you can answer this question, it probably tells you how to fix it, right? So I can't fix washing machines. But something I am familiar with is prayer. And, and I hear people use sentences like this all the time. I'm praying, but it's not working. We're praying, but nothing is happening. How do you fix that? Well, here's what's interesting. The book of James, it's a small book in the Bible, but it's kind of like a troubleshooting guide for prayer. I want you to look at how the book begins in James chapter 1, verse 2. It begins with a, a wonderful promise. Even if you don't want to call it a, a promise, it is a purpose of God in your life that helps you to understand that he has a purpose for you in trials. Look at this. Look, look at this experience. You count it all joy, my brothers. Man, your joy is not lost. There's, there's some sustaining hope in your life, even though times are difficult. He says, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, that means this applies to every trial, no matter how big, no matter how small, no matter how far, no matter how long, no matter how short, no matter how expensive, no matter how scary, various trials cover all of them. And look at this. You know, there's, he wants you to have confidence in this. You know. The testing of your faith produces steadfastness. That basically means you're going to go into this trial pushing 135. You're going to come out of this trial pushing 305. You're going to grow. You're going to get stronger. God's going to teach you some stuff, man. It's going to put you in a different place through the trial. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete lacking nothing. You are going to grow in maturity through that trial in ways you could have never imagined. And I think all of us, because we all know we go through various trials, all of us would say, I want to know, I want to have that kind of experience with the Lord when I go through the trials. That's a great purpose or a promise of God that James begins with. Now turn to the end of the book of James and look at the end of chapter 5. The book begins with a great purpose. The book ends with great prayer. You see a person who's suffering. They're confessing sin. This person is, is at the brink of death. 
But man, pray for the one who is sick in the prayer of faith. The Lord will raise him up. You see this person's being forgiven. They're being restored. They're, they're being resurrected physically and spiritually. You see a group of people in fervent, effective, righteous prayer that is ringing the bells of heaven and changing things on earth. We'd all love to be a part of prayer like that. So in the beginning of the book of James, you have a great purpose of God in your trials. At the end of the book of James, you see people effectually praying and it's redemptive and it's powerful. In the middle of that is the troubleshooting God. Because however you cut the book of James, there's four or five key passages in here that say, if these things are, if you're saying these things or thinking these things or doing these things, you can't expect these things from God in prayer. And, and I was going to give all of them to you this morning, but I, I kind of decided to kind of back off and just give you one. So let me do this for you real quick on the sermon guide. I'm going to give you all four that I'm going to talk about. I don't know how many weeks we'll talk about this, but this will at least let you. James is a small book. Read ahead. So I'll just kind of show you this, and then you can kind of look, use this as an outline for your reading. When prayer doesn't work, I need to check four things. Number one, check my faith. That's James 1, 2 through 18. We're going to talk about that today. Number two, when prayer isn't working, check my obedience. We'll start in on that next week. James chapter 2, verses 18 through 26. Number three, if prayer isn't working, check my relationships. How are you treating people? What's going on in those people? What's, is there tension and strife and different things? That's James chapter 3, verse 13 through James chapter 4, verse 17. And then finally, check unconfessed sin. That's that last little passage right there, James chapter 5. And there's probably more that you could pull out of the book of James, say, check this. But, but it's kind of like James is saying, all right, the, if, if you smell smoke in this area, this isn't going to be working in your prayer life. And you need to check these things. So let's talk about the first one. If prayer doesn't work, I need to check my faith. And let's talk about that starting in verses 2 through 18 right here. So look at what he says. Count it all, or, or verse, uh, let's go down to verse five. If any of you lacks wisdom, and he's not asking that question as in some people don't lack wisdom and other people do. That's a nice way of saying we all lack wisdom, right? <laughs> you all lack it, right? So wisdom is knowing what God wants me to do. Wisdom is doing it in a way that God is pleased with it. Wisdom is making decisions based on God's word that I can, I can pretty much trace the consequence. If I do this, this, this is a foolish decision and it's going to lead to foolish ends. This is a wise decision and it's going to lead to, to wise things. Wisdom is discernment. It's being able to, to see what you otherwise could not see, not only in circumstances, but sometimes discernment is in people. Sometimes discernment is in decisions. You have two or three different ways you could go about it. So if anyone lacks wisdom, assumes we all do. It also means this. Wisdom doesn't come naturally to us. You're going to need it from another place. 
So look at what he says. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. This is something God only gives by asking. You got to ask for it. But look at this. The God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith. Okay, right there. Okay, yeah. That's my problem, man. I don't have enough faith. And you hear that all the time. Maybe I prayed about something and I didn't get it because I just don't have enough faith. As if faith is something that you fill up and when you get to a certain level, then it happens, right? So let me, let me just ask you a quiz here, a quiz question for a moment. Now, when it comes to the amount of faith that you need for God to answer your prayers, how much faith did Jesus say you needed to move a mountain? Mustard seed. So this is not about amount. If you read on in the passage, and I'm going to show you this for a moment, this, this is something about doubting. So doubting is not about an amount. Listen, faith is not about an amount of belief. Faith is about proper belief. You're believing the right things, believing the right way. Listen, most importantly, believing the right one, right? Go over just two or three pages in my Bible. It's probably two or three or four pages in your Bible. But go over to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. And let me show you something. This is a, this is a really good statement about faith. Remember, this is not about an amount. This is about a right belief, and this is going to help you, check, you troubleshoot your faith when prayer isn't working. So let's go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, and look at this. What, what is faith? Without faith, it is impossible to please him. So faith gives you the desire to please God. Faith, faith puts you in a place where my will aligns with his will. I want what he wants. Faith is Doing it in a way that the Lord is pleased with it, right? It's not, it's not about an amount. It's about a quality. So, man, faith puts me in line with God biblically. Faith puts me in line with God and who his character is. So let's go on this next. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and he rewards those who seek him. Let's take that little phrase, whoever would draw near to God. So, your prayer life, is it more like your visit to a convenience store or a visit to a mall? And here's what I mean by the difference. So a convenience store, you just go in and get what you want and get out, right? Just, dude, little Debbie, gone. Kevin, thank you for the, you appreciate me for that plug later on, right? Go get your little Debbie, go get your drink, get out, get your gas, go, right? And that's the way a lot of us pray. I'm just going to get with God, I'm going to say it quickly, and I expect him to give me what I want so that I can go on. But notice it says right here that his desire for you is to draw near to him. And that's something that we need to learn in prayer. Prayer is not just about getting things from God. Prayer is not even knowing what you need to do for God. Man, prayer is about drawing near to God. It's about knowing God. He wants you to walk through the mall. He wants you to see what all is there. He wants you to, 
give it an afternoon. He wants you to check out all the places and, and begin to, to see the things that he has for you. Man, you're going to immerse yourself in it. You're going to walk through it. There's gonna, you have to be present in it. You have to give it time. Listen, quit treating your time with God in prayer like it's a convenience store stop. And draw near to God. So look at this. He says, Now faith is impossible to please, and whoever would draw near to God, what? Must believe that he exists. I would say that's probably not a problem for most people in this room. Got that. I believe God exists. But this is where we begin to smell smoke. That he rewards those who seek him. Do you really believe that? That's not an amount question. That's a truth question. You see, and that's what we need to troubleshoot. It's not about you filling up the right amount of faith, but it's about believing God for the right things. Man, I really believe not only He exists, but He rewards those who seek Him. So now, in light of that, let's go back to James chapter 1 and notice this thing of doubting. So let him ask in faith, verse 6, with no doubting. Man, here's where the breakdown in faith and prayer happens. This is, this is where there's water all over the floor. This is where there's smoke in the room, right? For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind. That person must not suppose he'll receive anything from the Lord. There's the breakdown. You got to fix that. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So how do you fix that? And, and again, this will show you why this is not about an amount of faith, but the truth of faith. It's about right belief. Go to verse 12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. Man, he's, he's, verse 2 is operating in his life. He's growing. He's strengthening. He's lifting more than he ever has before. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God promised to those who love him. Do you believe that's true? If you don't, have you ever used these words? There's no point in any of this. When you're going through a trial, this is pointless. That's doubt. You smell smoke. The belt's broken, the motor's not running, there's no power there. That's the kind of thing that's the problem. Because listen, the Bible's telling you, man, God has a crown of life for you, which God has promised to those who love. Do you really believe God's tricking you? Do you believe he's misleading you? That's doubt. You got to fix that. That's instability. That's double-mindedness where I would get before the Lord, God, you got to help me, you got to help me, and you get up and walk away, but you probably won't. Now you're smelling smoke. You got to fix that. that. That won't work in prayer. And here's one of the things I want you to notice in this. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. When he has stood the test, he'll receive the crown of life. The crown of life is not something that you receive in this life. The crown of life is something you receive in the next life. So, listen. In every trial, our starting point for prayer doesn't need to be the solution. God, 
fix this. Now, Linda has confessed to the entire church that she's cheating on the church by listening to other preachers. Did y'all catch that? But you know what? What she, what she heard, this, that's really good. You, listen, when you go to the Lord, you go to the Lord like he's a father, not like you're, you're his boss. And how many times do we boss God around? God, fix this, give this, provide this. Notice the first thing he asked for in verse 5 is not the solution, but wisdom. God, what do you want me to do? God, what do you want me to see? God, what's the next step? Because here's the deal. When you're always just praying, praying for the, I want this, and if I don't get this, I'm getting up mad, that's doubting. And God won't respond to that. If you want God to move in your prayer life, you got to believe who God is. That he's a good God who loves you. And man, even if he doesn't give you the exact solution you want in this life, what he's looking for is a steadfastness of faith that he can reward in the next one. Wisdom helps you to see that. Verse 13, here's another one. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. That's, boy, you can hear the clunkiness in that engine. There's a problem there, right? How many times in, in, in when you go through a trial, God hates me. God doesn't listen to me. God doesn't love me. God's trying to destroy me. No, he's not. That's doubting. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. He says, let me teach you something about yourself. This is where temptation comes from. Verse 14, each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by what? His own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. Let me tell you what's so dangerous about doubt. Doubt will grow in your heart like a baby grows in its mother's womb. It'll incubate, it'll grow, it will take nourishment from your doubt, and then when it gives birth, man, it brings a whole lot of trouble because you give birth to sin. Sin doesn't happen overnight. Man, sin incubates in our desires. That's why you got to fix this. When you smell smoke, man, you got to get after it. It can lead you to some dangerous things when we let this doubt creep in, right? Verse 16, look at this. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Do you realize that you can be deceived? You may not be seeing things the right way. You may not be operating according to truth. Listen, it's not a problem with God in prayer. It's the things you got to troubleshoot. These are the things that cause problems. So now I'm going to go to the Lord. Lord, help me not to be deceived. Help me to see this is where you're asking for the wisdom, and he wants to give it to you. And notice the quality of the wisdom he gives. Look at the next part. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. What you really need, only God can give. And it'll be a quality in your life. It'll be exactly what you need. He'll show you where to go. He'll show you what to do. He'll give you the strength to, to discern. Hey, sometimes he'll give you this amazing strength to say nothing. Wisdom. And boy, when, when you begin to obey God, it makes all the difference in some things. 
Look at this, coming down from the Father of lights. The wisdom God gives is an enlightening gift. You can see things you otherwise wouldn't have seen. So, personnel committee met this week, got down in the altar, prayed. I got a text message. And I'm not going to tell you who it is, but his initials are Michael Williams. <laughs> Sitting right here. <laughs> he say, look. And this is a new approach, man, for all of us. We're waiting on God, right? He texts me. He tells me about the meeting. He goes, waiting on God is awkward. <laughs> it is, isn't it? You're like, okay, waiting on an answer. It's an enlightening gift. You know what's amazing about that? After they prayed about those things, there were some things they asked me three weeks ago. Hey, what should we do about this? And I'm like, I don't know. Let's pray. But there's some things we saw this week that put us in some different directions on some things that kind of gave us some wisdom and we're beginning to look at it in a different way that we were three weeks ago. God works in that. Listen, God works to illuminate Scripture. Remember we talked about a couple of weeks ago, your prayer life, you need to get in that prayer closet and close the door. You need to close out everything else and everybody else. You need to protect your time in prayer. Let me encourage you to do this. In prayer, part of that awkward is you're asking God, God, show me what to do. Show me where to go. What decision to make? What's going on in this person? Give me some enlightenment on that. And then you're like, right? Take a Bible with you in your prayer room. Get before the Lord Offer that prayer and then search scripture. If you're looking for wisdom, Proverbs is a great place to start, right? You'd be amazed how when you begin to read scripture in light of prayer, maybe you begin to pray scripture. I asked the personnel committee, man, pray Ephesians chapter 4 over this thing. Then you begin to see things in the will of God that you didn't see before. There'll be scripture that jumps out to you. You're like, yeah, there it is. That's what we need to do, right? It's, it's an enlightening gift. Comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of change. And of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Here's the amazing thing about that one right there. Listen, if you're saved, you were born again by the Spirit, the Word of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He, this church is, is born by the, the Word of God. Salvation is, is you, there's faith comes by hearing, but then hearing comes by the Word of God. Man, the Word of God created the world. And, and look at what he says in this. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the Word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Listen, when you're praying and you're in the word and you're seeking wisdom and you're, you're waiting on these, he starts to show you some things to do, man, and God can birth a new situation when you follow his will in his word, okay? So the word's got to be a part of this. It's not just you feeling something, thinking something. Man, it's doing what God wants in the word. So connect it. So listen, here's what wisdom does and Here's what you got to do to check your faith. Wisdom in praying the word of God, it deals with that doubt because it aligns you with God's will. 
And out here, it's clunky. You smell smoke. It doesn't work. But man, when your prayer life begins to align to God's will, that thing starts to hum. It gets really powerful right there. Now, when you're praying for God's will and you're in God's word, here's where we're going to start next week, but I'm going to leave you with this. You better be ready to do what God says. Faith without obedience, man. You can't be just a hearer of the word, not a doer of the word. Because if you are, you're a foolish man who just beholds his face in a mirror and looks at what kind of manner of man he was, and then he just walks away and forgets all about it the rest of the day. He walks around just looking crusty and nasty, right? That's what we're going to pick up next week. So listen, if you're praying for the will of God, and you're praying through the word of God, you better be ready to do what God says. Because if you don't, you're going to smell smoke again. So we're going we're to troubleshoot some prayer life here over the next couple of weeks, but I want to sit down on this one right here in this. Have you checked your faith? Not the amount of it, but right belief. Are you aligning your prayer life to the will of God in the word of God and acting on the wisdom he gives you? He's a good God, y'all. He can enlighten you. He can show you some things. You're born by his word. Don't you think that he can birth some new things in your life if you'll follow his will and his word? Oh, absolutely he can. Don't doubt it. Check your faith. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me for just a moment? So Linda's going to come and help us with the invitation time. We're going to play just about a verse and a chorus. The altar will be open to you. Maybe you, you got your offering ready. For the prayer spaces, you want to lay it on the altar. Maybe God's giving you a number and this, this, hey, if he tells you to do it, you better act on it. Don't, don't waver on that, right? But maybe you want to come and pray about some things where you just gotten angry with God in your life, maybe some family situations, maybe he's not moving as fast as you want him to, and that doubt has got you just being very double-minded, and you smell smoke. You see the leak. It's not working like it's supposed to. Man, there was a, a guy in Scripture. He looked at the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and he said, Lord, help my unbelief. Boy, you come and pray that this morning and just repent of those sins and attitudes. Thank the Lord for the word he's given you this morning. And let's check that faith. So you come get in the altar. We'll do this very quickly, and I want to pray over you before we go this morning, and then I'll dismiss us all together in just a few moments. But let's all stand together. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Linda's going to sing. Let me pray for you. And if you want to join in this prayer, you come on to the altar right now. Heavenly Father God, help our unbelief. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on.